So good to be here. Everybody should be all rested and full of energy, right? Because you had an extra hour of sleep. Unless you're like me, it doesn't matter what time I go to bed or get up. I always get up at the same time, so. And that's terrible. And my body was telling me this morning, when it was really, I was supposed to be sleeping on another hour, it was telling me to get up. And I couldn't make it stop telling me that, so. Help, Lord, right? That's what happens when you get a little older, I think. Somebody, somebody told me, anybody else suffer with that, or am I the only person? This, no matter what time, I mean, I can go to bed at 2 o'clock in the morning, but about 5.30, I start waking up. You know, or I can go to bed at 9 o'clock at night. At 5.30, I start waking up. Like, I don't really like that. I always tell people there's no virtue in waking up early. There's nothing, there's nothing no vir- that's, that's not a virtuous thing. It's a terrible thing. Yeah, so if you're feeling all virtuous because you wake up early and do all this stuff, you're not virtuous. No, you're just doing without sleep. Thank you, Lord, though. Tonight I'll go to bed earlier. So last week uh, I was shared this message, uh, and I shared how I went into this place a few years ago called the Hall of Glory. I hope some of y'all remember that. And... Yeah, Marlon remembers it, and I remember it. I'll never forget it, but, and a voice spoke to me about honoring the Lord and uh, giving God glory and said that when we don't honor the Lord and we don't give God glory, uh, we're basically dishonoring ourselves. That's ultimately what happens. Our, we'll be dishonored, and we will lose what God has for us. It's and I read out of Romans, this one particular scripture, Romans one twenty one. It says, although they knew God, they did not glorify Him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. And if you read the rest of the Romans, you can just see this downward spiral that happens to people who choose not to honor the Lord and who to glorify the Lord. And so that's sort of the, the downside of this deal there's an upside to it you know there's the opposite of it uh it's when we do give the lord honor and when we do glorify the lord in our life and live a, a life of gratitude that's really the the door open for us to really live the life that god always meant for us to live that's that's really is that really opens the door for us to really become because if you look at one of the things in in romans is people lose their identity they lose their identity when they quit honoring the Lord because the Lord is the one who gives us identity. And people become, really, they become perverted. Honestly, that's, and it talks about all this perversion that happens to mankind. And that's, we see that in our culture. Uh, and so really when we disconnect from God and dishonor the Lord, we actually disconnect ourselves from the very thing that gives us, gives us identity, gives us everything that we've, that's our heart's desire. So I wanted to talk to you a little about about that this morning, um, you know, because I believe the Lord really, we're in a new time, and God really wants to, to bless his people. God really wants us to, to have everything that he ever dreamed for us to have. I, I know that's the truth. And I feel like the Lord, one of the things I've felt lately is the Lord is, there's like an impartation that the Lord uh, in the spirit, that's really right here, I feel. I don't know if you know what I'm talking about, but there's an impartation from the Lord that I really can't explain to you right now. But there's a shift happening in the world. In the world period, there's a shift happening. And God, but, but God has something. God has something in all this going on in the world today. He has something for us. And I don't fully understand what that particular thing is or what that looks like, but I believe... I don't know that it can be explained yet because we haven't seen it yet, but I do believe that God is releasing by the Spirit an impartation. And I believe there's people in this room carrying things in them that you've carried and that you, you may not even be aware of that you're carrying, that God's going to begin to reveal, like, reveal Christ in you, the hope of glory. And, you're going to, and that's going to impact your life because it's not going to just be a, th- a scripture no more. It's going to be- become a reality in your life. And, and that's where, if you really study the Scripture, that's, the, that's how we're going to be able to bear the glory that God's going to release in the earth. Because God has promised He's going to release His, 
glory. And it's prophesied all over the Bible that the glory of the Lord will fill the earth as the waters fill the sea. And so one of the ways we're going to learn to to bear that glory and live in that glory and be people who carry that glory to dark places or or people come to you for that glory is is to really have this revelation of Christ in you, the hope of glory. And, and, And we begin by seeing God's glorious. Amen? And one of the, I wanted to read, uh, well, you know, God wants, just wants us to fall in love with Jesus. You know, I mean, that's how I feel right now. That's the thing. Because Jesus is our ultimate, he's our ultimate example. He's, he's the everything. Okay? And so everything, uh, you know, that we want to know about God, we can find out in Jesus. Because he's the example. He came to reveal the Father. And, and so I want to encourage you uh, Especially you non-Bible readers out here. I know there's some non-Bible readers sitting in this room right now that you do not regularly read the Bible. I want to encourage you, if, you, if you're one of those people, get, get a hold of the Gospels and make the Gospels a part of your life. Make the Gospels a part of your life. I find the further I go as a Christian, the more I I'm become enthused in the Gospels and, and want to read the Gospels because it really reveals the person of Christ. And so I really encourage those, if you struggle with the Bible, just go park yourself in the Gospels. Park yourself there as long as you need to park yourself in. Everything's in there, ultimately. Everything. The rest of the Bible really is kind of an explanation of what happens in the Gospels. You know, that's really what Paul did. He tried to explain the Gospels in a, in a, a more practical way for us. So, and so even if you're a believer who is in the Word often, let the Gospels become... Uh, you know, what I tell people about the Bible, I'm reading the whole Bible all the time, going through the Bible, reading it, but I'm always reading the Gospels. No matter where else I'm in the Bible, I'm always going back to the Gospels and reading it on, as a part of my life because of the, of, of the person of Christ. Amen? So in John 5, I want to read this uh, about Jesus being our ultimate example and Jesus being like the template of God. He's the template. He's the, he's the prototype. He was the firstborn, the Bible calls him. They call him the second Adam. He's the first of a new race of people, a heavenly race of people. That's what Paul calls it in 1 Corinthians. And that he's the one. And we're, the, we're to follow that. We're to become that. And he's given us, he's laid his life out. And whatever we see in him is, is something that we can begin to access. He really showed us what, like the life of grace and the life of love and the life of purity and the life of glorifying God looked like. He showed us that. He revealed that to help us walk into what he was walking in. And it says in, in John 5, verse 8, I'm going to read 18 through 22. Uh, it says, Therefore the Jews sought all the more to kill him, being Jesus, because he not only broke the Sabbath, he broke the Sabbath. You know, and they're going to kill him over it. That's a bad, that's a bad crowd, you know. You've got to know when somebody's going to kill you over breaking a Sabbath rule, they're, they are very tied into that rule. I mean, so tied in, they're willing to kill people over it. That's just, this craziness when you think about it. Like, seriously, you're going to kill him because he broke the Sabbath? I think he healed somebody. <laughs> and told him to pick up, pick up your mat and carry it. Uh, you broke the Sabbath because you healed him and you, you told him to pick up his mat. Because you're not supposed to pick up anything on the Sabbath. So they were upset with Jesus. Uh, so he not only broke his head, but also this, uh, said that God was his father, making himself equal with God. Then Jesus answered and said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, the son can do nothing of himself but what he sees the father do. For whatever he does, the son does in like manner. I want to talk about that scripture in just a minute. But I just love this thing that Arthur Burt used to say. Uh, he said, everything Jesus did, he never did. Everything Jesus did, he never did. It was the Father working in him. Isn't that beautiful? And that's really the life that God's called us to. It's the life of Christ in us. We sing it. The power of Christ working in us. The power of Christ doing through our lives. And that's how we really ultimately live a life that glorifies God. It is through his life. It is through his power. Paul says, it is no longer I, but Christ. And so it's impossible, let's go ahead and settle that up front. It is impossible for you and I to glorify God on any continual basis. I mean, you know, when I say continual basis, I'm talking about like in 
33 seconds. We're going to be thinking something we shouldn't think. It's not honoring the Lord. But we can honor the Lord through Christ and through his life in us and allowing his life to come forth. And that's how Jesus did it. That was his whole thing. He was saying, I didn't do this. It's the Father in me. So that's what he's given us the example that this is how this is going to work in your life. Right up front, he gives it. That's pretty powerful, isn't it? And so it says in verse 20, he says, uh, For the Father loves the Son and shows him all things that he himself does, and he will show him greater works than these, so that you may marvel. For as the Father raises the dead and gives life to them, even so the Son gives life to whom he will. For the Father judge, judges no one, but has committed all judgment to the Son. All judgment has been committed to Christ. That all should honor the Son just as they honor the Father. Isn't that cool? He who does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. So you see that while Jesus was here, his goal, this, he just said it in verse 20. That's verse 23. That was his goal on earth. That was what Jesus was all about. His, his goal was that the Father would be glorified, that the Father would be honored. Okay, that's, that's what he was all about. I want the Father to be glorified and honored. Therefore, therefore that, need, we, that needs to become our goal in life. That, what, that we begin to live for the glory of God. Let me just say that. That we would begin to live our lives for God's glory. That God would be glorified and honored in all we think, do, say, and act. That's what Jesus did. That's what he's explaining here. And that was his heart on this earth. And, and everything that Jesus did was to bring glory to God. I don't know that we think that way uh, very often. But I tell you, it's the biblical way of thinking. And then he tells us uh, what brings glory to the Father. He tells us, this is what I came here to do. This is what I'm all about. Everything I'm doing, even the thoughts, how I, how I operate, is to glorify and honor the Father. And this is how you do it. He tells us in verse 19, the Son can do nothing of himself. The Son can do nothing of himself. Jesus was basically saying that within himself, he has chosen not to have power to do anything. Okay, and so that's why he was giving us the key, the clue to be able to really bring glory to God and, get, and honor God in all we do is not to do anything of ourselves, but to tap in to what God the Father is doing. Tap into that, see that, hear that, and do only that. That just sounds almost impossible, doesn't it? It sounds like it's out of reach for us, but it's not out of reach for us because Jesus demonstrated it. And Jesus demonstrated it so we could have that same heart to begin to pursue that lifestyle. Are y'all good? Y'all looking badly. Y'all might y'all looking tired like it's spring forward instead of fall back. And I'm gonna tell you something. This this doesn't just apply in ministry how a lot of people apply this. Okay, like well, and, and it does apply in ministry. Jesus healed the people because he saw them. But it was way more than that. It was everything. That's the way he lived his life. You go and study the life of Jesus, and you'll see the way he, in the way he treated people. He treated them the way he saw the Father treating them. It'd be, it's, here's an interesting thing for you to do. If you want to learn family relationships, study how Jesus treated his family. Just study it. There's enough in the Gospels, there's enough clues in the Gospels to tell us how we should be treating our families by the way Jesus treated them. It's, it's, right, it's all in there. One of the things is, there's two things, is Jesus would not allow his family to dictate to him what he was supposed to be doing with his life. He allowed the Father to. But he did give great honor and respect to his family at the same time. He didn't disrespect them. A lot of people let their families drive them into the ground. I hate to say that, but I'm not not going to go there because I could get in trouble. I know that, you know. But it was in every area of his life, how he treated the religious people. You know, the way Jesus treated religious people. You know, he treated them a little bit different. The way he treated hurting people. The way he talked to his disciples. You see, it was all, all of that was based on, did it honor God? Did it honor the Father? And so he's given us these really amazing examples for us to bear the light, tap into and begin to follow those examples of how he treated people. One of the things that he said, he said, the father judges nobody. He's committed all judgment to the son. 
And so Jesus tells us, he talks to us a lot about judging in the Bible. Do you know there's a lot in there? One of the things, it says don't judge others, lest you be judged yourself. But Jesus really clarifies that point. He says judge with righteous judgments. Because he's not asking us not to judge. He's saying only use my judgment when you look at people. There's a righteous judgment and there's an unrighteous judgment. The righteous judgment is the judgment that God would have. How God sees a person, how God sees a situation. And Jesus gave us well permission to do that. In fact, told us to judge righteous judgments. In other words, learn how to see people the way I see them. Learn how to look into their hearts and see what's happening in their hearts before you judge their outward actions. That's hard to do, isn't it? But that's how Jesus did it. This is what Paul alluded to, and Paul brought, you know, alluded to this. He said it in a very short, concise way, 1 Corinthians 10. If you ever read 1 Corinthians 10, it's about food. Anybody, anybody here like food? Well, this is all, 1 Corinthians 10 is all about food and about the food you eat and the food you shouldn't eat. And so he goes through this whole thing about the food, you know, food that was sacrificed to idols. But he says at the end, Therefore, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, Whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Whatever you do in life, whatever you do. See, I want to challenge us about this. Whatever we do, are we doing it for the glory of God? it's It's a challenge. It's a challenge. But Jesus showed us how to do it. He showed us what that looks like. It's not some religious stuff. Um, and I'll tell you, that's the thing. Is, is, it's, it's, let me say this. What I'm talking to you about, this is not popular when you, when you think about it. It's, this is going to cost you to do that. Let, let's just go ahead and put it out here. This is a costly lifestyle to live this way. If you're going to really live to glorify God, it's going to cost you a lot. You're going to have to give up some things in your life. Okay? And, it, and it's not a one-day thing. It's not something that happens in a day. It's a journey. It's a process of, of walking with God. But I'll tell you this. It's not, it's not confining like a lot of people claim it to be. The only thing that's confining about, about this is getting into the kingdom. That's, there's one narrow way in. But once you're in, it's broad. It's big. Okay, but even, even in that aspect, God wants to bring a lot of liberty to people, okay, a lot of liberty, and that's the way we find true liberty. It's not once we're in just doing whatever. It's really finding what the heart of God, finding the pleasure of God in your life and following that. Are, are you all with this? It's not just doing what everybody else is doing. Don't you think Christianity is kind of ate up with a bunch of doing what everybody else is doing? Everybody lives in the shadow of somebody else. Or don't, do y'all find that to be a little disturbing at times? I mean, I find it to really be real disturbing because that's really religion. It's just charismatic religion, you know, Pentecostal religion. It's, it's all the same. It's all bad. It's really all bad. It's, it's terrible, really. There was a guy uh, back in uh, the late 1800s named G.D. Watson he was a Wesleyan Methodist pastor and evangelist. And he wrote this little track. Um, and the name of the track was, Others May, But You Cannot. Others May, but... It's an interesting little track. And it's based on uh, what Jesus said, If anyone come, wishes to come after me, he must deny himself costly and take up his cross and follow me. That's Matthew 16, 24. Here's a couple of things. I just want to mention this because I think it's important for us to understand this. Here's a couple of quotes of his. Others may push themselves, pull wires. I guess that's like pulling strings. It was wires in those days. But, and work schemes to carry out their plans, but you cannot do it. Others may boast of themselves, of their work, of their success, of their writings, but the Holy Spirit will not allow you to do such a thing. Others may be allowed to succeed in making money or may have a legacy left of them, but not you. Why not, Lord? (laughs) The Lord may let others be honored and put forward, but keep you hidden in obscurity. And so my thought when I'm reading this, and I want to clarify some of this, is, you know, maybe the core, the core, and I think this is true, the core of taking up your cross and following the Lord is really living a life of glorifying God. 
not living for yourself. In other words, you live your life to glorify God, not your life for what you want. Yeah, this is really popular Christian teaching, isn't it? This is like everybody this scream and shout over this. But this is, I believe this is really true. And see, I think this is one of the things we lack in the church. Is we, we lack a, a Christianity that says you're here to glorify God and honor God first and foremost. And if you'll live your that life that way, you can have everything you want. You can be blessed. You can be fulfilled. Perhaps for you, this is what this guy was, was trying to communicate. Perhaps for some of you, making a lot of money is the thing that's going to glorify God. See, he wasn't making a blank statement that no, no Christian can't, can't make money. What he was saying that we all have to work these things out between us and the Lord. What's allowable for you may not be allowable, allowable for me. Are y'all following that? Some person may write a book and, be able to, and, may, and may should promote the fire out of it the best way they can. But another person may write a book and not be allowed to promote it. And see, only you and, between you and God can you determine what that looks like in your life. And see, that's why I'm saying we need to find a Christianity where, where we don't have a bunch of people that's trying to conform to what everybody else is doing and how everybody else is doing it. See, we've got to somehow find God in our own lives and find out what is permissible in our life and what is not permissible. And for one person, certain things may be permissible. For another person, it may not be. And that's why it's so important for us to learn the ways of the Lord. Okay? I really believe in learning all the basic doctrines of the faith is really key and really valuable and something we should really give our life to, uh, learning those things. But... But to be honest with you, if we don't learn the ways of the Lord in the middle of that, none of that's going to really help you. It's really not. And see, what God wants to impart to people is His ways of how He works, how He thinks, how He operates, not just doctrinal truth. And this is not a put-down of doctrinal truth. I love the song we were singing. It was full of doctrinal truth about the cross. I love that. We, we need to think about that and ponder those things. Are y'all following this? See, I think when, when, when you begin to really ask Lord, the Lord, teach me your ways that I might know you, He, he wants to teach you. But he, it's not like learning Bible verses. It's learning the heart of God and what His heart is like and what God's, what God's heart is for you in your situation and what God wants you to give and release in your life. I think that's really key. And I think that's one of the things that God wants to impart to people. I think that's, that's an impartation. I really do think that's an impartation. Y'all are just really worrying me the way you're looking at me. It's really bothering me. I got I to gotta get done. Um, I wanted to say this, okay? When I was a, a young believer uh, back in the 70s, that was a long time ago, um, I, I don't know how, I don't know, you know, about things. I don't know how God arranges things and arranges people. Um, you know, I like the way Bob Jones said it. I just happened to be leaning on the right door when it opened. You know what I'm saying? The door opened, I fell into the room. You know, I, it wasn't like I had this plan or, you know, there was just all this stuff going on. You know, I just happened to lean on the right door. But we, we were in this church, and there were these people who came and preached a lot in our church from Great Britain. And these people were amazing. I've thought about these people. And I thought about what? They didn't really teach doctrine and stuff like that. They taught the way of the Lord. They taught how God operates, how God feels, how God thinks. Okay? And and without me knowing it, I was getting an impartation off of these people. It was amazing. It's amazing to me. They, and when I began back several months ago praying, Lord, teach me your ways, he started bringing up a lot of memories of what, I was, what these men did. These men were awesome men. They were, they were very involved in some of the great revivals that happened in that part of the world back. One of them hung around with Smith Wigglesworth. And, but he could tell you some bad stories on Smith Wigglesworth. You know, he didn't really, he didn't hold him on a, on a high pedestal. He told you the truth about him. It was kind of hilarious. But they were all amazing men. They were all very prophetic 
and floated, and, they, and not, I was thinking, not one of them ever taught one teaching on how to prophesy. Not one of them. But they would prophesy, and there would be an impartation that would happen with people. And I believe God wants to release that kind of same thing again. Where people, there's an impartation coming into people's hearts. And something, you know, when Jesus in, in Luke 24, when he was walking on the road of, to Emmaus, and he, it says the Bible, you know, they were all like just tore up, the, the two people. They actually think that was a husband and wife there, uh, Cleopas and somebody else. They didn't, I don't think they give the other person's name. They think they were a couple that later turned up in the Scripture. It's interesting. But when they were walking, they were upset. Obviously, Jesus was dead, and we were thinking he was the, the, the great prophet that was going to save the world. And, and then Jesus said, hey, you know, listen, y'all are dull as the day is long. <laughs> Teaching about how Jesus interacted with him. Y'all were just as dull as the day is long. Did not and he goes through the whole scripture, it says, the whole entire Old Testament, and tells them and picks himself out of all those scriptures and explains what the scriptures really meant. Wouldn't that be the most amazing? Why didn't they write it down? <laughs> Why didn't somebody write that thing down? I want to know what he said. Because it's the greatest, one of the greatest messages ever, and God chose not to let us in on it. And so he got to this place where they were going, and they were going like, hey, and he acted like he was going to go on. The Lord will do that to you. He did that in other places. Like one time he was walking in the morning, he was acting like he was going to walk on, acting like. The Bible says he was acting like he was going to walk on by him. He was waiting on somebody to invite him. He was waiting on somebody to say, no. And that's what those guys, they invited him to come. They said, hey, it's late. Come hang. Let's go eat. Let's go hang out here. And that's when the Bible says, they took the bread and broke it. And it says their eyes were opened. Their eyes were opened. And they saw Jesus Christ, the Lord, sitting right there in front of them. And he disappeared. And what did they say? Didn't our hearts just burn inside of us when he was talking to us on the road? And see, I felt in my life there's been times when I, I had no clue what these people were talking about. But I knew something in my heart. My heart was stirred. I felt this. There was something happening that I didn't really understand in my mind. But in my heart, I knew there was something happening. What was that old guy named? He was the voice of the martyrs guy. This old guy who spent, Richard, Richard Rumbat, who spent all these years in communist prison, beat to death. You know, I mean, he's one of these kind of people. Just amazing guy. Couldn't hardly stand for any time because one of the torture, the way they had torture him was beat the bottom of their feet with a rubber hose. And he, so he couldn't stand for long periods of time. But I remember him one night in the church sitting up there and in a chair talking. And, you know, I wish I could... I wish I, could under, I wish I could have understood everything I was saying, but I didn't have to understand it. What he was saying was going into my heart. It, and it was not leaving my heart. It was, it was going into me. Okay? It was doing something inside of me. See, that's really what we need. That's, that's what we need from the Lord. Is we don't need... You know, great teaching. We need God, God's word and God's power to get into our hearts and do something in us. Do something in us that stirs us. Okay? And I think God has done that with people. I think, and I think it's in. I think there's things in people that God has put in your life over the years that He's, he's equipped you with. And the time, I believe, is coming when God's going to call all that out of people. Where He's going to speak and it's going to pull something out of you. And you're going to begin to see your life differently. And you're going to see your purpose and your destiny different than you've, than you've seen it. Because I believe if you've walked with the Lord any time at all, you've got something in you that's amazing and powerful. And I just want to encourage you about that. I wanted to tell you a couple things. Are y'all, is that, Lord, please do that. Please do that. Well, here's a couple practical things I just wanted to mention to you about if we're going to live for the glory of God that we're going to have to deal with and overcome. And the first one is self-effort. And 
I know this is, you know, something, everybody, oh, yeah, of course, self-effort, we shouldn't do that. <laughs> this is what Satan said to Adam and Eve. Uh, do this, and you will be like God. That's Genesis 3, 5. Do the, that's a very important scripture for everybody in this room. Do this, and, you, th- and this will happen. That was the temptation. Do this, and you'll be like God. So what he was... What he was trying to tell the pe- those two is there's something in your life that's lacking. That's what the devil was saying. There's something lacking in your life. And so if you'll do this eat, this, eat this piece of fruit, that thing will no longer be lacking and you will be like God. Now, why was that a temptation? Because a man who doesn't love ice cream is not going to be tempted to eat ice cream, right? There's got to be something in that man to where he ice cream's a temptation to him. In other words, I, you know, I forget that. <laughs> I'm not going to say it. You know, because Becky would slap me down later. But you know, you're tempted by things you want, you'd like to have. Okay? Not something you don't care about. You know? So the reason... That was an attraction to them. There's two reasons. One, okay, is because the Bible says they were created in the image of God. They were already carrying God-likeness in them. But in that moment, and they, it was part of their destiny to be like God. It's part of our destiny to be conformed to the image of Christ. And so that's why that was a draw to them. That's why that was a draw to them. Because he was speaking, it was like a half-truth. But the difference was, he was saying, you've got to do something. Where God says, I would have created you in that image. You don't have to do nothing to be like that. And see, that's, isn't that the downfall of everything in our life? We feel like we had to do something. To get something from God. And, I, and the other part of that is, you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. In other words, you can take control. In, in other words, you become like God in an illegitimate way. So you put those two things together and it creates this really big mess, messy lie that we're all living in. And so we had to really overcome that temptation in our life where we, we feel like we've got to add something to what... See, that's an insult to the glory of God. If God says the work of the cross is finished, why do we feel like we need to do something else? Why do we feel like, literally, why do we feel like we need to do something else if it's already finished? It's because we're tempted, like we've got to do something because for us to really walk in our salvation fully, we've got to do something. And God has said, now I've already done that. Are y'all following this? See, that's a really big temptation. And see, it's dishonoring to the Lord. I'm going to tell you, it's dishonoring to Him. It dishonors God when God says, I've done, done this, and we feel like we need to do something to get that. It dishonors Him. Did you hear what I just said to you? That's why religion is so bad, and that's why Jesus would not, he couldn't, he wouldn't tolerate. The Bible says God is pride. Every sin is rooted in pride. Okay? That we can do something. Every sin, that's the root of your sin. It's your pride. If you sin, you have pride in your life. That's the root of it. The better way of dealing with your sins would just ask the Lord to forgive you. He already has. Lord, I accept your forgiveness. Now help me deal with this pride in my heart that's causing this sin. That's really how you, you root, root the sin out by rooting the pride out of your life. Because the Bible says God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. Y'all ain't really liking this. Y'all are just looking at me badly. <laughs> yeah, amen. Yeah. I'm, gonna, I'm bailing out of here fast. I do want to tell you one more thing that's really helped me in my life. All fear is built on a lie. Remove the lie and the fear will die. That was another Arthur Burke saying. All fear is built on a lie. What are you fearing today? Okay, what do you fear? Just ask yourself. 
there's a lie in your life. There's a lie that's feeding that fear. You take, deal with a lie, and then the fear can be dealt with. Fear is powerful. I'm going to tell you that right now. It's very powerful. And, and, but it's built on a lie. Well, I want to tell you about this particular fear. That's a very ancient fear, but I've noticed this fear has become really a pop. It's, it's like in our culture, really bad. Uh, have you ever, anybody ever heard of the fear of missing out? There's an acronym for it, actually, in the, uh, in the uh, computer world. It's called FOMO. F-O-M-O, fear of missing out. So these psychologists have studied these people who are addicted to social media. And they're saying there's a fear that's driving this addiction. There's a fear that you're going to miss out on something. So they're always checking their social media. Now, here's what, when I first read that, I thought, oh, that's a new fear. That's a terrible fear. It's not a new fear. That's an ancient fear. When I was 15 years old, we got this letter. Back in the day, you go to the mailbox, you get a letter. Okay? You didn't get it on your computer. Nobody texted you. Sometimes people would call you, but it was a long-distance phone call. And back then, you paid a lot of money if you called somebody. So most people would write a letter, stick it in an envelope, and put a 5-cent or 10-cent stamp on it and stick it in a mailbox. In a few days, you'd get this letter, get this news. Well, we got this letter one day. Okay, and the letter was from one of my cousins who said he was getting married. And I was just devastated when I got that news because three of my other cousins had gotten married in the last six months. And here's what I thought. Oh, no, I'm 15 years old. Oh, no, what's wrong with me? All my cousins are getting married and I'm being left out. I don't even have a girlfriend. I remember going out in the yard in my front of my house just all tore up because I didn't want my parents to see me messed up because in my mind, I'm missing out on life because my cousins who I looked up to and loved, they're all getting married. And I'm left out. There's something wrong with me. Now that's stupid, man. I was 15 years old. I didn't even need a girlfriend at 15 years old. Right? Can you imagine what young people are going through today? Can you imagine what they're going through today with all this connectedness? Now, that's something that parents should have a conversation with their children about. Because that's, a, that's, a, that's why these kids are killing themselves. I mean, it's, it's created a, a lot of bad things for people. But this always been a fear. Okay? We've all, all of us carry this thing in us about being left out. If you're really honest with yourself, there's areas of your life you feel like you're going to be left out. And I'm going to be honest with you. I think the church has, has done this to people. We've done this to We've hurt people with this. And I, I didn't really realize it. And I was like, Lord, I am sorry that I have participated in that hurt. And here's what it is. is a motivation it's a, it's a way of motivating people. Well, the Lord is doing such and such, and you need to do so and so, or you're going to miss out. You hear what I'm saying? That's not a good motivation. Because you're motivating people on the fear that they're going to miss something. And that's just wrong. That's not what Jesus... I wanted to read the scripture that Jesus... Are y'all Okay. This is all about the glory of God, by the way. I, I know it's kind of off all over the road. But you know what? I'm not trying to do a teaching. I'm asking the Holy Spirit to do an impartation. That's really what I'm looking for. Holy Spirit, do I don't need to do some, you know, get, get a good teacher, you know, get somebody who can do this, but get, I want you to do something, Lord, in people's lives that grabs their hearts. This is what, let me read this little thing here. I'm about done, I promise. This is John chapter 1, 37 through 39. The two disciples uh, heard him speak. They're talking about John the Baptist. He was talking about Jesus. And they followed Jesus. It was two of, John's, two of John the Baptist's disciples. John was talking about Jesus as he walked by. And they, they heard him. And they started following Jesus. Then Jesus turned around, seeing them following, and said to them, What do you seek? They said to him, Rabbi, which to say when translated means teacher, Where are you staying? And he said to them, come and see. 
They came and saw where he was staying and remained with him that day. Now it was already late, about the tenth hour. See, that's an invitation. That was an invitation from the Lord to what he was doing. You see, my point is, is we need to, the church needs to find a way to invite people into what God's doing instead of guilting people into it. Instead of making people feel like they're going to miss something if they don't do these certain things. I mean, that's pretty profound to me. It, it really, I mean, to me, that really speaks to my because I'm saying, Lord, that's what I want. I want that ability like Jesus had. He didn't say, you're going to miss this. Something bad's going to happen to you. If you keep hanging around with John the Baptist, you're going down. I'm the new thing in town. <laughs> no, he just said, well, just come and see. Just come. Just come hang out with me. And God really wants to put that glory on us. Where we, that, well, that's all we got to do is, is when people ask us, well, just come and see. Come and enjoy. Come and drink from the Lord. Come and let God do something. Instead of having people manipulate you and hyping you and all that stuff that's been done to people, it's just wrong. I'm just telling you, all that's wrong. It's just wrong. God doesn't want people treated that way. He wants to invite people. He has this hospitality thing on him. And I think the key, and I'm done stopping, the key, the key in all this is love. Because this is what Jesus said in verse 20 of John 5. For the Father loves the Son. The Father loves the Son and shows him all things that he himself does. And he will show him greater works than these that you may be, that you may marvel. You know, fear, there's no fear in love. Perfect love casts out fear. Isn't that beautiful? There's no, and so Jesus operated in love. And he had this, this revelation in his heart that the Father loved him. And because he knew the Father loved him, he knew the Father was going to reveal things to him. So that's the key to hearing the Lord. Okay? That's the key to hearing God. That's the key to connecting with God, is knowing that you're loved by him. Instead of, the key is not learning how to hear the voice of God through teachings, which I think are great things that help us but really, if you get this revelation of love, you'll start hearing God. You'll start hearing Him. That's, that's how Jesus said He heard Him. He's, he's going to reveal things to me. I don't have to worry about it. Because He loves me. I'm, mm, I'm sorry. <laughs> Mary, I'm, I didn't spit on you. I told you about them spitting preachers, right? They had the, had the plexiglass shield up here. I don't believe in that. I think that's wrong. Any preacher that does that needs to be talked to. He should not be spitting on people. Nobody wants to be spitting. Of course, Jesus spit and healed a guy, right? If it's anointed, yeah, spit on me, Lord, right? You can spit, you can slobber on me, Lord. Just slobber on me. I'm not going to be offended. I would love for the Lord to slobber on me. I'll be honest with you. That would be the best day of my life. Jesus is drooling all over me. You know, I know that's pretty bad, but anyway. Faith, faith works by love, doesn't it? You know, and this is, I think, the key to glorifying the Father is entering into this love relationship with, with Jesus. Okay? I mean, I think, I'm just trying to boil this down and get us away from all this stuff that's too complicated and, and live out of a relationship with God where we know God wants to speak to us and God wants to reveal what He's doing so that we can glorify Him. And we can do what he's saying to do. And then we don't have to live in fear. And when we feel like we're being manipulated and all that stuff, we can like, oh, I don't really want to do that because it feels manipulative to me. I just don't want to do that. Or when we're tempted to try to get somebody to do something, we resort to manipulation. Because all, all of us have done that, right? You know, people manipulate to fire their kids. You know, if you do this, I'll do that. You know, like, they ain't going to do that. They're going to just take what you give them and still do the bad thing. <laughs> I'm just going to, you know, my son, Philip, who was an awesome person, but he could never explain himself to me growing up. Like, Philip, why did you do that when he did something bad? I don't know. One time he did something really bad, and it was stupid, and got in trouble for it, and I was trying to find out why he did it. I really wanted to understand, and so I said, why did you do it? 
And he said, I don't know. I said, well, here's what's going to happen if you don't tell me. I'm going to put you on restriction for a month, and you're not doing and I told all the stuff he wasn't going to do. So now, tell me why you did it. I don't know. <laughs> I thought, golly, what kind of son is this? He can't, he can't. He's willing to go and be on restriction for a month just because he don't know. He didn't know. That was the problem. I was trying to get an answer out of him he couldn't give me. And I realized, I remember driving down the road. I was in the car just driving. Around. I, he really doesn't know. And so I need to try to give him some answers here instead of trying to force an answer out of him. You know, I don't know why I told you that. Yeah. But he, he yeah, it's just amazing. You know, I believe the Lord really is, uh, I just want to pray for you. I mean, as bad as this message may have sounded to you and disjointed as it was, but I do believe the Lord wants to impart some stuff to people. And I believe God really is looking for a people who are willing to say to him, I really do want to live for your glory, Lord. And, Lord, I get that I can't, I get that this is not a one-time event. I get that this is a lifetime of learning your heart and discovering who you are and how you feel and discovering that I can't, as much as it would be easier for me to live by a bunch of principles, that's not really what you want. You want me to live out of a relationship with you. And out of that relationship, I can begin to learn how what really glorifies you and honors you and what doesn't. I can learn that from me, and I can learn to discern in other people what the thing is that will bring, bring them into that place and help them find their way into that life. Amen? Amen. So let me just, I'm just going to pray for you. That's what I want. I'm just going to pray um, you know, for the gift of God. Um, Lord, I just want to say that you, as a young believer, you bless me with a lot of powerful influence from people who had walked with you for years and knew you and had a relationship with you. And they carried a living word, Lord, from you. And I was blessed to sit under that and hear that. And, Lord, it went into me, I believe, with all my heart. And it created in me and helped conform me to yourself, Lord. And so, Lord, I believe today that you want to release the things that you have placed in people in this room. There's many people in this room that have had different, maybe different experiences, but they're carrying something. And I feel like it's a time where deep is calling to deep, Lord. And you're calling out to people, the deep in them. You're calling out the deep in them. So I just ask you, Lord, I ask you for the Holy Spirit like he, like, he, like he came on those two disciples that day on the road to Emmaus. I pray you'd come on hearts this morning and touch hearts, Lord. Mm, thank you, Lord. I just think some of us, I just want to encourage you today to make a step towards the Lord in terms of, Lord, I want to start living for your glory. I don't want to live for myself. I want to lose my life in Christ. That's what I want to do. And I ask you, Lord, to help me do that. I think there's people in this room that need to do that. You've never done that before. And that was a hard place for me to come to as a young person. You know, but I'm glad I did it. I don't regret it. You know, and some days it's hard for me to come to that. Even now, it's hard some days because of my flesh being so messed up at times and riled up or mad or something. But it's a real thing. So I just want to give you a chance this morning to sit right where you're at. If you've never, ever said to the Lord, Lord, you know, I really do want to follow you regardless of the person beside me, what they do. Peter, in, in, in the end of the Gospel of John, the Lord had healed him. The Lord had commissioned him. And he looked at John the Baptist. The first thing he did after the Lord did all this awesome stuff, he said, what about him? I thought, what is the dumbest response in the world? God has just given you the charge of the entire church that's going to be born. And you're worried about John the Baptist. or John the, and, and Jesus said, don't worry about him. If I want him to live to, to I come back, that's no concern of yours. You just follow me. You just follow me. Don't worry about everybody else. And that's really where God's calling all of us. 
Don't let all the worldly, the social media things suck you in. Don't worry about all that. And what other Christians are doing and you're afraid you're going to miss out on some move of God. If you start living for the glory of God, you will not miss out on what God's doing. God will make sure you're right in the center of what He's doing, wherever He's doing it. I really believe that. And if He wants you to go just to a particular spot where He's doing something, He'll tell you. You don't have to be afraid that you're going to miss out. You don't have to be afraid of that. We can get rid of that fear. So I just pray, Lord, you, if, if, for those in this room who've really never made that step in their heart, that would say, I really want to live for your glory. I really want to just follow you, Jesus. That's what I want to do with my life. I don't want to just be a Christian, but I want to be one that's living for the glory of God like Jesus did. If that's you, say that to the Lord. Just say, Lord, I want to do that in my life today. This is where I'm at. I'm making a choice. I'm making a decision. And I ask you to help me. I ask you to speak to me. I ask you to give me the grace. I ask you to visit me, Lord. Visit me. Visit me, Lord. Visit me. I ask you to do that, Lord, in Jesus' name. Thank you, Byron. That was a that was an importation message coming from the Father's house right through Byron. just want to encourage you guys that you look at the disciples lives all they did was hang out with Jesus you know that's what they did they just spent time with Jesus for those three and a half years and even when Jesus was about to ascend he still said I'm not going to leave you by yourself I'm going to give you the promise of the father too and he will be with you to the very end forever not just to the very end but forever because it's so important that that we're taught by the Lord the ways of the Lord and how to spend time with the Lord and how to be with the Lord and the Holy Spirit helps us with that. Amen. So if we can have the ministry team come up, we have that ministry team come up. And if you want any father prayer for anything, you want somebody to agree with you, or we just need a hug from one of these lovely people up here. If that's all you need. Come get some. You know, and with that, I just pray that the Father's presence will go with you. That His love will absolutely be multiplied in your heart. That the mind of Christ will manifest in you greatly. And that the joy of the Lord will be the statement that is in your life. Amen. Be blessed.